everything that I know that the seller or agent or my counterpart is pre-screening me on is just to see if I'm real. And if I go fetch everything that they want, they're in control and they're going to call the shots and I'm going to lose the deal anyway. Welcome to the Big Fat Real Estate Checks Podcast with Marco Kozlowski, where we help investors like you get the knowledge and skills you need to replace your J-O-B with passive cash flow for life. Hey, Marco here. I really wanted to share with you our earlier podcasts that we created. Now, our mics were not the best, but the content was really strong, and I know you will learn a lot. We had an absolute blast recording this, and I know you're absolutely going to love it as much as we loved recording it. This extremely content-rich information will not only give you the edge in your real estate investing business, but in everyday life. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode. Uh, Here, joined with uh, Frank Galluccio from Toronto, Ontario, originally from Italia. Ciao. 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 You're born in Italy? I wasn't born. I went uh, to school in Italy. You went to school in Italy? Because my parents came back. If anyone must know. You were born in back. Italy? I was, no, I was born in Canada. Oh, actually. I thought you were yeah, born in Italy. No, I went back. He's not an Italy. original. I'm not an original. Yeah. You're a fugaze. A fugaze. It's okay. I don't want to go to <laughs> He's fugaze. Yeah. I don't know what that means. You know, you haven't seen the... Was it, what, what movie was that in? Fugaze. It was in Donnie Brasco. No, Fugaze right. means with, it's with fake. Pacino. It's not right. real. Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. And we have uh, Gabriel Araish from Canada. From Canada as well. <laughs> and Marco as well from Canada, but living, of course, in the U.S. Uh, buying properties in the U.S., all of us are, and we're here to help you buy as many properties as possible. And this episode is all about whoever has the gold makes the rules. And we're going to have some fun with that concept and make sure you understand it because... There's a lot of ways to look at that, specifically when negotiating. Let's start with that. Whenever we are negotiating an agreement, we want to stay in full control. Because if you aren't in control, you will lose. In fact, you will crash. And that is, I think, the thing that people struggle most with is how to stay in control of the conversation, not be led by the other party, not be told what to do and how to do it, and really stay in control and uh, making sure that you you lay down the rules that you let you do it your way or things are going to crash. And uh, this whole episode will be however short or long it is. uh, We're going to discuss that whole concept and how to apply that in your life in uh, the real estate business. So we're all helping others and obviously doing our own deals as well. So let's talk about some instances of this not being handled properly. What what I see on that where people fail short of it is for some reason that maybe it's a, not a phobia. It, it, again, it goes back to the mindset thing. When people talk to, and I was just as guilty in the beginning, when you talk to someone that's selling a property, I felt like I had to sell them for them to sell me the property, which makes no sense, obviously. I'm so, confused just confused. by the statement. Okay. It, you it, had to convince them to sell you the it, property. It, it felt like when I began in this business where I was trying to sell myself in order for me to buy their property. So I was selling myself to buy the property, but it should be the other way around. And that's where people are, I think, are falling short often where they're like, well, pick me. It's not like you're buying a rare gem or anything like that. Like this property is like, I don't know how many properties there are in, in the U.S., but there's, more, there's more a than, shit. More than 10. It, more than 10. So... <laughs> Having that mindset where basically, not my mindset, having that, that notion where you're trying to sell yourself is the wrong path to take. And that's what I've took and many other people took 
where you're trying to sell yourself and it makes no sense. Like you said, like I know you use an example often with, with the Shark Tank where you have the panel. They have the money and the person that's pitching the deal, which is in this case, the, either the owner or the broker, they have to convince you, hey, invest in my property. And then another person comes up and no, invest in my property. So the same thing. And we forget about that when we're talking for some reason. And, and again, that you're sabotaging your own success on doing that. So just to clarify that, so you're talking to a seller, let's say Gabriel is a seller and Gabriel asks, well, I want a proof of funds. I want this. I want that. Like they're asking for all these different things. And then what a lot of people do is they either don't call back or they hang up the phone and go, shit, now I have to find a proof of funds. They want a list of properties I've done before. They want all these different things. And if they don't have those things, they disappear. Which is exactly why he asked for it, because he wants to know that he's dealing with someone that's either going to not waste his time, you know, come up with whatever has to be done. Just because he asked for it doesn't mean that's the rule. It's whoever has the gold makes the rules. And if I'm buying the property, who makes the rules? Well, I should. So if you were to ask me for a proof of funds, a list of seven Mm -hmm. properties that, you know, that I bought in the last 30 days and ask, you know, for my social security number and, you know, the name of my kids and my firstborn, blah, blah, blah. Imagine going to a store, them asking you those things. What would you do? Change store. You'd never go there again, but you'd say something about it. You wouldn't just hang up and say, okay, and then hang up the phone. You'd be like, what are you talking about? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not giving you a proof of funds. I'm not telling you anything about me until I get more information about this property. If you want me to make you an offer, I need this information. If you don't give it to me, I'm going to go buy something else. Now, he has a decision. Do I want to hang up the phone and lose a potential buyer? And by the way, if I had money, wouldn't that be what I say? If I don't have any money, I would say fine and then hang up the phone and never do anything again. But because I'm behaving, we had a whole episode on this. My behavior is that of someone that has money. I'm going to do what's called a pushback because I'm creating the rule. So part of that, whoever has the gold makes the rule, is a pushback. Mm-hmm. I don't want, no, I'm not going to give you those things. Uh, we've talked about the power of no also in previous episodes. No, I'm not going to do that. I need, this is what I need in order for me to make an offer on your property. And if you want me to make you an offer without this information, then a dollar is my offer. So give me a counter based on a dollar. And then when you're serious about selling, why don't you call me back? We'll click. That's it. I'm out. So I'm going to leave the store but I call it leaving the store. So whenever I'm on a phone call and I use a laptop to phone, I use a voice over IP technology and I, I don't call for my cell ever. I use my laptop. That's another thing altogether. No matter what they ask, I'm going to create a pushback. And I'm going to say, here's what I need in order for me to make, if you want my cash, you need to do something about it. And again, I'm not using my cash. I'm using somebody else's cash. And I'm going to create as much pressure as possible towards them as the buyer for them to go down in price by creating my own rules. Sort of make this a lot easier to understand because I think we're going in all sorts of different directions is I'm going to tell them what I need in order for me to buy it. Just like in Shark Tank or in Dragon's Den if you're in Canada, since we have some Canadians yes. here. <laughs> three out of the three are Canadian. Yeah. What is, uh, that? is that 100%? <laughs> uh, well, there's a 92% vacancy rate. That's right. So, yes. yeah, that's kind of 92%. So actually, on that point, you're not doing it confrontational-wise. You're just saying if someone asks you for a proof of claims, their bio, a website, the last 10 properties you acquired, whatever, you know, happy to give you what you need, but I need this information first before you make a decision. Because people with money, let's face it, go ask Trump for all that shit. What are you going to get? Yeah. You didn't even disclose his tax returns. returns. It, it, yeah. He's not going to give it to you. And people with money are very protective of their identity and shit because there's a lot of bullseyes yeah. on them and they're not going to do it. So again, going back to the behavior part, 
if they ask you for this, you're not going to be confrontational. Say, hold on a second. Glad to give you what you need. Once we see if this is a good fit for us, why don't you give us this, this, and that? And I did the button here. <laughs> I was given one task, not to touch a button. Don't on touch this, the table. On this table, and it goes up and down. So 34. My bad. So on that note, yes, you don't want to be confrontational, but you do have to push back, as you said. We got that? We're at the... Lock it. Okay, we're going to lock and load there. And basically, it's not because they ask you for something that you have to do it. <laughs> That's exactly right. Just because they ask for something, it doesn't mean you have to do it. And that is really gold. Shamo, shamo. We find the word for idiot. I'm hilarious. I'm laughing on this. Because you know what? You guys postulated that on me. You guys said Frank's going to mess up with the table. We put a lock. It's on a it. high tech table here, guys. We put a lock. And on they it. put me in front of the controls and they put a lock. And, I, and I you still it. switched. I, it. I don't know how I picked it. You see, we asked him not to do something and he didn't do it. Uh, oh, it's just, he's so, so used to it I'm and so pushing so back. He's pushing back. There you go. But going back to what you said, Gabe, or, or even Marco. You don't want to be confrontational, but you do want to set the rules. Because as soon as you give them that bit of, I guess, if they ask you for certain things and you feel that you're obligated to give that back to them, they're taking control of this whole conversation. Well, even when it does come to a negotiation or you have an agreed price, they're going to keep pushing back because they know they can. It's like a bully, right? Once they can get away with it once, they'll take your lunch money, whatever, they're yeah. going to keep doing it. I wouldn't know. Did that happen to you? Well, I don't remember. I was bullied as a kid. Yeah. I think I was bullied at one time. I was for sure 100% bullied. Not lunch my, my nickname was Snot. Because I had a deviated septum and I was always cold in Canada. And I always oh, had like a runny nose. So they no. called me Gidzi, actually. Gidzi, yeah. That was my uh, nickname. Nickname. Yeah, right. it's, it's good to know. White stripe on the shirt. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. It's called Strish. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's a different street, but yes. Yeah. Well, so I'm so sorry you guys are getting weird. Uh, yeah. yeah. Well, it made me who I am today. So, so I'm, you know, it is what it is. But I never took it. I never internalized it. It was just okay. Well, I knew I could beat the shit out of him. I wasn't worried about it. I was, you know, I did judo from a very young age, and I was trained not to take notice of it. But it was still called gizzi. It was yeah. something that was called, and I lived with that. That was like my tattoo, and it's fine. I didn't accept it as my label, but I had to go through it. Yeah. And. Again, I was docile. I was not someone that was able to take charge or control. I got married when I was 18. My spouse was my piano teacher. She was 12 years older than I was. She was 30. I was 18. Waka, waka, waka. And we're going to get into, you know, those dynamics a little bit later in the series. But I was a stay-at-home dad. She, she worked and she controlled the purse strings and told us what we couldn't do. And she was the alpha and I was the beta. And that's, that's what it was. And my turning point in my confidence level was when, I don't, have I discussed this on this? I'm not sure if I have or not. When Mr. Say it, uh, we'll find out. The rent? The, no. The, the rent, yeah. When, yeah. when Mr. Pollock uh, was knocking on the door, I was terrified of the guy. And my wife has Oliver, my uh, oldest, and my Elliot, my second, were playing, uh, you know, with some Legos on the floor of, of our middle music school that we're trying to get off the ground. Couldn't pay the rent uh, for shit. She was feeding uh, Mercedes, who had just, I guess she probably was uh, 11 or 12 months old and she was pregnant with Bentley, my youngest. So she's feeding and they're playing around and she has her hands full. She's trying to get some work done to before the, the day started. And Mr. Pollock had knocking on the door and I, I was terrified of the guy because we could never pay him. And he always was very rude and abrupt. And I was just literally terrified. Every time I saw the guy, I, was, I would shake. And I was in my 20s. And he was a little, little guy that mm -hmm. just had a lot of... You know, he was the landlord and I was... Like a Mr. Furley. 
No, Mr. Furley was weird, and no, you know, a little Mr. Roper. Mr. Furley, yeah. No, not uh, you don't know Mr. Furley. Mr. Furley, not Mr. Roper. Mr. Three's Company. He was sourly. Yeah, I, yeah. I remember that, but not Don Knotts' character, the other guy. Got, yes, I don't yes. remember his name. Yes. Okay. Okay, maybe it was Mr. Furley. I don't. Anyway, it was. It, it doesn't matter. He was just. <laughs> I was scared of the guy. And my wife asked me for one thing. Could you just tell Mr. Pollock that we don't have the rent money and we'll we'll have it sometime next week. Just tell him that. I don't want to talk to him right now. We're under a lot of stress. I'm not feeling well because of the pregnancy. Could you just say that to him, please? Just let him know. I'm like, okay. I open the door. I, he goes, where's my rent? And I look at him and I start freezing and I say, my wife wants to tell you something. <laughs> and I send him back to go see my wife. He screams at her, Pregnant disrespects my wife over some money. And I didn't have the, the balls to say anything. And I felt like a piece of shit inside. That was my turning point when I knew I had to change in order to change my life. Because I knew that if I kept up that behavior, I would be shackled in poverty for the rest of my life. Could you imagine that? Yeah, that's, so that's, that's, that was me. That's bad. Yeah, well, it's yeah, bad. I, I, it's I also because we, we kind of got to know you in your new you. Yeah, yeah. You we know, we did. I, can't even, you I can't even picture you. Yeah. <laughs> but that, that was me. That's like, that is me. Like my kids don't remember that, but that was me. And that's the journey that I've had. From that point to where I was literally disgusted inside of myself. And he is just ripping into my pregnant wife. My kids are looking at him, screaming at my wife. And I'm just standing there with my mouth open like a guppy. Taking it like a little bitch. And I was very disappointed in myself at that time. Pretty sure she was in me as well. And she was in me as well. And she looked at me like I wasn't even a man. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't. And I don't mean that in a sexist way. I mean that in a stand up for myself and take care of my family kind of way. That's unacceptable. And that's just the journey. That's where I come from. That's the shyness that I had. And that's the work I knew I had to do on myself at that moment. So understand that Mr. Pollock was playing by his rules. Now today that would have never flown. He wouldn't have gotten past the front door. And if I couldn't pay the rent, I would have said, can't pay the rent, be there next week. And if he starts screaming, I just shut the door. That would be it. While he was talking, I wouldn't care. I would understand how to handle his avatar. Because something that we have discussed in the past is avatars. And understand that in this business, there's only moves and counter moves. And if someone says something or does something, it's a move. And if you understand what the counter move is, you can actually do something to counter that move and maneuver. And if you're in control of the of the board, if you understand chess and you understand how to move the pieces, it doesn't matter what your personality is. You just move the pieces in the direction that they're supposed to go based on your... I'm already five moves ahead when I'm playing chess. So if someone moves in a direction, it's because I've created the rule in order for them to do that. I've forced their hand in order to do that through different strategies. It's very hard to explain when I'm facing a camera but it's a lot easier to explain in a deal situation where um, someone begs us, you know, says, hey, can you make me an offer? And we say, well, I'd love to make you an offer. And what would most people do is say, okay, here's the number. Yeah. What we do in our case is say, I would love to make you an offer, but if, if I make you one, it's going to be really low. And I don't want you to break your keyboard when you receive it by, you know, slamming the, your fist on the keyboard. And then the response inevitably is, well, you can't hurt my feelings. I understand, like, you know, just make me a low offer. So then my next response would be, well, are you sure you aren't going to be offended by something quite low? I really don't want to ruin the relationship. They say, yes, it's fine. Please make me a low offer. So my next response would be, 
So what I'm hearing is you want me to make you a low offer, and they say, yes, please make me a low offer. <laughs> it's how it happens. Yeah. yeah, I'm not bullshitting. That's exactly, that's called the making a, a low offer strategy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. A begging strategy. It's a begging strategy. It's, it's, it's yeah. a beg- and I have hundreds of these strategies. So they basically just beg me to, give them to make a low offer. So I go, here you go. Bend over. It's coming. And it's, there's no lube involved. And I'm going to make you the lowest offer I can. And I know it's going to be rejected. And then we go into another maneuver and another move. But just by starting off by them saying, make me an offer, I already know we're going to go into the begging strategy. Based on what they say next, I'm going to go into the next strategy. Correct. But I'm making the rules. You're dictating the direction in which the conversation is going by knowing those five moves, four moves, seven moves in advance. That is and that's the important thing that a lot of us have failed in the past and learned through the processes yeah. to be to have that dominance and not to be submissive and to call the shots. And you should call the shots. Not to the point where you're an asshole, but you should call the shots in terms of once you agree on the price, so just say you come to a price, the next thing is that I see most common is no, we gotta use the state. Contract. You got to use a state contract. You can write a contract on a napkin. Yeah, and it'll be legal. And it'll be legal. You don't need the state contract. That's just what they're comfortable with. That's just what they know. That's all they know. That's so, and, and in circumstance, we have our own our own paperwork to protect you, and also to protect the seller. It's a mutual agreement. It's a like mutual contract. Yeah. We, well, we have win-win versus it, it, it the, the broker contract that's usually seller protected. It, it's yeah, heavily it's on the seller. Yeah. It's, if you don't do this, the seller gets it. We're just evening out the level. Well, we're leveling the playing, the playing field. field. That's what we're doing with the agreement. And, and many of us, when we get that, we tuck something in between our legs and we say, okay, because we're desperate to get that deal. And that's the wrong posture. That's not mm-hmm. someone that has the gold, makes the rules. It, yes. it, and you got to change that behavior and say, listen... We're going to use our paperwork. Okay, you can say that. We'll use our paperwork. But if there's something in the state contract that you feel adamant that should be in there, tell us which clauses and we'll take a look at it and consider it. So you're not saying no to everything. Say, you know what? We're using ours. And if you want to add some of your stuff, we'll put it in an addendum. Period. Yeah, happy to compromise. And there's if they insist, I, I insist use my agreement. I said, look, no problem. We'll, I'll be happy to use your agreement if we use your money to close. And, you know, what's someone going to say to that? I'm happy to use your paperwork if we're using your money. That's fair. Who's buying it? Right. So what's someone going to say to that? Uh, Okay, we'll use yours then. You know, I'm clearly calling the shots here. And again, I wasn't able to always be that assertive. It took a lot of time. That situation, I was 24 years old. uh, No, 23 years old because Bentley wasn't born yet. So 23. And I'm almost 50. So that was 27 years ago. Jesus wow, Christ. Wow, your mouth is pretty good. Yeah, almost 27 years <laughs> It was 24 years ago. I'll yeah. be 50 in a few years, but yeah. it's pretty scary. A long time ago. So, yeah. It's gone a long it took way. Some time. Yeah. It takes some time. And I was, but you don't and know I, what you don't know. I didn't know what I didn't know, and I was committed to change, and I, was, I knew that I had to do something different in order for me to get different results in my life, and I didn't want to be broke anymore. And I was really always struggling over money, and I was like, fuck that, I'm done. Done. So... When we're negotiating, we want to have a few steps ahead. We want to create those, uh, Mm -hmm. understand that we have to play by our rules. We don't necessarily want to be an asshole about it because no no one wants to deal with an asshole. And there is a balance between being a prick or a bitch to being confident. There's nothing wrong with being a strong woman or man that knows what they want. And women are actually better at this than men. 100%. I'm actually a little envious because women just understand this better in general. Like, I'm not sexist. 
I prefer women than men. Just saying. No offense, boys, but I have a. Oh, it's okay. Not take it. I have a pasha towards women. I think they're. they're, In fact, I'm a lesbian on the inside. I I should tell you that. Is that the pink shirt's all about? Yes. Now you're coming out on it. No, I'm just a lesbian. Uh, Just trapped in a man's body. (laughs) What? Nothing. Yeah, it's true. So, where was I going with this? Uh, Who knows? I want to be as. I want to create the rules as much as possible by if they ask for something that is not necessary or it's a dominant play on their part where I know it's not necessarily, they're asking me for proof of funds, for example, to see if I can close. Everything that I know that the seller or agent or my counterpart is pre-screening me on is just to see if I'm real. And if I go fetch everything that they want, they're in control and they're going to call the shots and I'm going to lose the deal anyway. Because if you submit to whatever they want, then they're going to use their contract, their terms, their this. They're going to want you to close in 30 days or 10 days or 15 days. And I can't make those promises. And I don't want to make a promise I can't keep because that's not good either. But I know if we buy it under my agreement, under my terms, using the paperwork that my lenders know and like, then guess what? We're going to be able to close. And that's the point. So I want to use the right tools to allow me to close. And if I compromise, I can't close because now they're in control. I know that if I'm in control, I can make the rules and I can actually close. And you're making rules that, yes, that exactly. If you can close, then aren't you doing everybody a service here? Yourself, obviously, um, your investors, but also the seller. That's Absolutely. what he wants, right? The so, seller wants to w- the close. Oh, and the broker. The broker wants to close. They want their commission too. The lender wants to lend the money. Everybody wins. Everybody wins. There's no losers. You're you're basically just setting the rules. It's like well, you're setting the rules in a fashion that can make everything work. And you're the only one. You're like the architect of your uh, your deal. Yep. And if you're the architect, then you're the one who knows how it works. You got to make sure that every cog fits in the right place so that everybody can win. The seller a lot of times is in it for himself. He wants to sell, get his money, and that's it. Whereas you're dealing here for, you want the seller to sell, you want your lender to, to lend, you want your investor to invest. Like I said, you're the architect. You're like a director in Hollywood. 100%, yeah. Right? You're directing, you're setting each one's roles. This yeah. is how we're going to do it. This is how it's going to play out, and we're going to have a beautiful movie. Or the conductor in the, uh, in the, the orchestra. orchestra. In the orchestra. Yeah. You just got the stick. You're telling the tubas to go over here, the this to go over here. Yeah. And the art in all of this is making everybody else feel like they are actually in control. That is correct. And that takes, that is the art. Mm-hmm. The, the num- And we've discussed this before. The numbers can be done in seconds. Like, I can give you a quick formula on what the numbers are. It's getting consistent numbers and people to get to that point consistently month in, month out without fail is a process. And that takes mastery. It takes work. How to communicate over email takes time and work. How to talk to a seller takes time and work. And if you haven't heard this before, on Tuesdays, I have a seller call program. It's completely free. You just hop on every Tuesday and you can benefit from listening to live calls and hearing how we communicate with sellers and create millions of dollars out of thin air just by flapping our lips. Out of thin air, just by communicating and having sellers chase us. I had a call the other day where the seller was calling me, calling me, texting me, texting me. I shared it, you know, shared it. And man, dropped by, literally it's a 20% return on this property. It's ridiculous. Create some amazing terms on that as well through the art of the no and the art of the impasse and a whole bunch of other stuff. I have very detailed information on it. But let's get back to our whoever yeah. has the gold yeah. makes the rules. And you know let's, I, oh, sorry, sorry, go ahead. 
You know what I find by orchestrating or directing that, they actually have more respect for you and they'll come back to you because of that. Because they weren't able to push you, they actually respect that. And again, it's going back to your avatar. They're like, you know what? This guy's the real deal. Because wow. they're not doing exactly everything I Especially say. Especially the broker, right? I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, I mean, we had an example of a deal that we were working on where basically the sellers ended up sort of backing out, but the broker saw the way we were working and was actually on our side saying that, you know, the seller had no business not going through with this. So now this broker is bringing us all these other off-market deals that he, you know, doesn't want to prepare an OM for, doesn't want to prepare any paperwork for because he's confident that if, that if he provides this to us and the numbers work, because that's really where it's all at, then we'll get it closed and he won't, he'll make an easy commission. Well, way easier. He doesn't have to go in market yeah. it. doesn't, and he looks like a hero to the seller. Yeah, that's right. And this broker was, it was the seller's broker. Correct. He was working for the seller, but, mm-hmm. you know, four months or five months of going back and forth. Again, we were using our dominance. We yeah. were offering solutions for the seller. There was, there was some we put uh, our issues. pieces in the right place. Yes. There, was, there was some issues. We gave options and the broker clearly saw that. It's like, okay, based on our behavior, based on the way we're dominating and communicating in the options, he was actually better at his own client. Mm-hmm. In the end, he was bitter at his old client. He was upset at his client. He goes, you know what? He goes, I, I know you guys can close. I know you can help me out. I know you guys keep offers. I mean, offers, solutions. And now he's coming back with other, other properties. Property. He never asked for proof of funds. He has never met us in person. No. He's been haunting us like every day. I think he was calling you on the daily. You yeah. wouldn't call him back. Nope. We were, Which we're, is a hard, strategy in we're, we're, we're hard to get hold of. Yeah. The guy was frustrated, clearly trying to communicate with us. But every time that we had to step up to the plate, we stepped up, we said what we had to say. Uh, and I say we, but it was really frank. You know, I think it was a, this one was a, a collaborative yeah. of all three of us. All, uh, three, uh, three. Uh, I, I all was, three of us had the, our hands in the cookie jar on this one. I, I'm not going to take any responsibility for no. it. I think you guys did most of the work. I did one call at one time. So Possibly. doesn't matter. Yeah, it yeah. doesn't. But it, it, there's no I in T yeah, here. Fair enough. But you did marvelously. You did Thank 99% you. of the work. But you followed the process and again, married to the process, divorced from the result, you showed that you had the gold without showing it by the behavior, not through showing the gold. Behaving, having the seller believe that you have the gold is almost more important than having it, really. If they believe you can close, they're going to do as much as they can. And, and I think over that's why he was really upset. Because he knew because the commission was there. It was a $7 million deal, by the way. So this is where he was really upset because he was, he was, he was pissed. Very, he was very convinced that, hey, these guys are real buyers, they can close, and my own client is fucking up the deal. Yeah. Because he's being hard-nosed and there's issues that he doesn't even know about going on on that. But yeah, in, in yeah. the end, that's what it is. Yeah, it is. There was issues I'm, I'm, I'm sure he'll come back. Because every time the him. seller tried to challenge us on something, we came back with the solution say, hey, okay, well, we can't do this, but we could do this for sure. Or yes. we could do this, or we could do this. Or, Take your pick. The guy wanted a non, for example, wanted a non-refundable deposit. There's no way we're going to do a non-refundable deposit. Then he says, well, it's because for it's a charity... Because we just don't want to get into a deal and lose money. It's never going to happen, period, full stop. Ask me again, it's still an answer is no. No, no, no. That's non, That's a hard pass. We're never going to go into a deal knowing that we're going to lose money, ever. Because if it doesn't check out, we're not buying it, period. And we don't. We want to be able to get out with no money involved. And the guy wanted like a couple grand. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. You're selling a $7 million property and you, know, you want $2,000. doesn't make any sense or five or whatever the number was. He's like, no, it's for a charity. I'm like, well, his son sadly passed away. And we're like, you know what? Let's give a donation. Let's tell you what, we'll don't, at closing, we're going to donate $5,000 to your kid, whether we come to the charity, whether we buy this or not. How's that? We're just going to donate it. 
then we'll write in the contract that way. Didn't want to do that either. So then we knew a red flag, something else is up. But we were in control of the entire process. And I know you don't know what you don't know. And that's what we're here for. Yeah, that's why we're here. <laughs> and you don't necessarily know what to do and what the chessboard looks like and what the moves are. And that's why it's so important to get educated. And there's so many ways to buy property. The internet is full of ways of buying property. The key is, is find a way that resonates with you, that makes sense to you, where the higher-ups or the teacher or the faculty resonates well with you. You understand what needs to be done. And are they doing it in a clear way? And are they getting results themselves? Because if they're not still buying property, listen, if I had stopped buying property five years ago, I don't think I could buy property today because the market changed. And my strategies are always improving. We learn something every day when we're communicating. Every somewhere. deal. Yeah. Every deal teaches us something. And that's why my fingers are still in the pie. We're still all doing deals because of that. Because as the market shifts, we want to be able to shift with it and create new rules mm -hmm. for our gold. And we're not really using our gold. We're using lender gold. Lender gold, yeah, that's right. And as their rules change, and that's what we have to that. adapt to their rules as well. And as their interest rate changes, as they create new rules, guess what? We have to bend and adapt as well and apply that into our business because we're not using our own money. If they say, hey, guess what? You can't borrow the money anymore at 70% of the value. We're changing our models from an asset-based lender to now 50% because that's just what they want to do. Well, guess what? Now I have to buy properties at 50% and figure out how I can find the other 20 so I'm never being exposed more than 70% of value, if that makes any sense, so I can sell it quickly. Yeah. So I'm going to adapt my buying strategies based on the lender having the, the gold. Whoever has the gold. And they're going to make the rules, and then I'm going to take those rules and create new rules so I can make more gold. That's right. You're going to make the rules that will help you reach or attain the rules or obey or abide by the rules of the gold. So if the gold has certain rules, like Marco just said, you have to make sure that these rules are taken into account when you're making your set of rules with your seller so that you know that once you've structured your deal in that way, it meets the requirements of your gold. If that makes any sense. Yeah. And as this week, well, actually, I think it was just this morning, someone had a call. If the lender wants just say three years or two years worth of P&Ls or two years or three years worth of bank statements and, and the seller doesn't have that, then that's your rule. Say, we can't buy it. Unless we have two years of P&Ls, two years of bank statements, two years of taxes. So you're setting the rules. And a lot of these, some of the sellers, they say, you know what? Do your due diligence before you ever get into mm -hmm. contract. Why would you spend time, resources, money doing your due diligence before? Because it suits them. When you don't even know if the numbers even jive or if what mm -hmm. they're telling you is even true. So that's even a non-starter and obviously in, in our we world. Do things, yeah. But yes, it's adapting to the rules of he, he who has the money. And if we're going to asset-based lenders, it's what they say. And if they say, we don't like this asset class no more in this particular city under 30,000 population, then guess what? We're not buying, we're not buying it there. That's just what it is. And um, it doesn't matter if you're giving it to us practically. It's got to reach those rules. Right. Yeah. You know? So... Different lenders give different rules, which allows us to use those rules, to apply those rules, to buy more property. And we have to adapt quickly because in the jungle, it's not the strongest that survive. It's actually the most adaptable mm -hmm. that survive. And if you're not willing to adapt as things change, you're going to be out of business very quickly and you'll be a dinosaur. Yeah. And sadly, there's too many dinosaurs out there. So I don't care where you get your information from. In fact, I invite you to learn from as many places as possible. I don't think there's one human or one source that can give you all the answers. 
because my level of expertise is only what I know. And there's a lot more that I don't know than there is that I do know. But what I do know, I know very well. And what I don't know, I don't, you know, know. I don't know. <laughs> but I do know that whoever makes the gold, whoever, whoever, has, the, the whoever has the gold, yeah. makes the rules. The rules. Yeah. Right. Like the Monopoly game, right? There's rules to the Monopoly game. The same thing, you're putting your own rules yeah. to play the game. And if your seller or the broker doesn't want to play the game with your rules, then go play another game. You're going to go, go well, play they're going to go play another game. You mm -hmm. continue playing your game yeah. with your rules. You don't have to. And change. as long as you're winning, then the, your rules are working. Yeah. And the only reason we're playing by these rules is because we know that if you play by these set of rules, you're going to win the game. Everybody right. wins. If you like this episode of Big Fat Real Estate Checks, then show some love by leaving a comment and a good rating. Also, as a thank you for tuning in today, we've got a special free gift. The journey to passive cash flow for a life starts by finding deals, and it's easier than you think. Simply go to getdealsbytuesday.com, enter your email address, and we'll send you a free quick start course called Deals by Tuesday. Even if it's 11 p.m. Monday night, this course will show you how to find discounted real estate deals by Tuesday. It's that fast and simple. Go to getdealsbytuesday.com and start your journey toward life-changing cash flow today. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode. Mm -hmm.